Hello, it is week three in the NFL. This is the Lions Megapod. It is Matt Brown. It is Adam Candy. It is Steven Andrus. And we are going to go through each and every game this week, give you our thoughts, any bets in the account, any leans, of course, and try to talk you through this crazy week in the NFL. Guys, not a ton of bets for me in the card this week. It is very interesting. A lot of big spreads, a lot of weird stuff going on in the injury realm as well that we will try to deal with. So let's go ahead kick things off here Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens and this is an injury play game right from the get-go no Anthony Richardson for the Indianapolis Colts the Ravens are without seven different guys in this game so a big time injury game we're heading into that being said didn't really do anything to the line as the official injury reports came out eight eight and a half I think it was already baked in that Anthony Richardson wasn't going to play I think it was already baked in that the Ravens were going to be without some contributors as well Stephen I'll start here with you um uh, look, it's a it is a it is a game in which you're getting these guys come out and say like, oh, it's an upgrade for the Colts that Gardner Minshew is going to play instead of Anthony Richardson. I don't buy into that. I'm not in that camp. They named him starter very early on, which means the offense was catered to Anthony Richardson, who, by the way, plays a different style than Gardner Minshew. So I don't know. I mean, maybe if this was a five week stint for Gardner Minshew, then maybe by week four or five, this would be an upgrade for the Colts. But as a weak spot start here, I, I don't think it's an upgrade at all. Let me start this show by saying I completely overreacted to Lamar Jackson and Todd Munkin after what they looked like in week one. That was a bad job by me. They were incredibly impressive last week against Cincinnati. And I will say the one concern I have this week, though, is that Cincinnati has been awful in generating pressure, only 13% despite blitzing 35% of the time. Colts may be a lot tougher this time around. Through two weeks, for what it's worth, again, we're still dealing with small sample sizes here. But the Colts have a 26% pressure rate, despite blitzing only 12% of the time. That's very impressive. They held Jacksonville's offense to a below average yards per play in week one. Overall, they are eighth in pass rush win rate, second in run stop win rate. Baltimore, with the banged up offensive line, only 22nd in pass block win rate. So uh, for me, with all the Ravens injuries, I am not running to the window to, to lay more than a touchdown here, even though Gardner Minshew is the quarterback. The, the Colts are also without their starting center, Ryan Kelly. But for me, I think it's either Ravens teaser leg. But with those injuries, I got to be honest with you, I'm feeling a little nervous about this. And I think if I'm playing the spread, it's the Colts or pass. Yeah, I played it in teaser. I'm not incredibly confident in it with this injury report. I thought that it would Same. look a little bit better along the way. I thought that this was going to get better throughout the course of the week. And I thought that maybe it'd get out of teaser range, to be honest with you. And then it never did because the injury report didn't get any better at all. Uh, Adam, when you take a look at this one, again, a new quarterback and a pretty beat up Raven squad. What do you see? Matt, ultimately what I see here is a game that I don't want any part of because I see some variables here that I got wrong last week, right? I mean, I think we were all a little bit wrong when it came to Baltimore and how they would look last week uh, with the injuries that they had. Now, how much of that was Cincinnati? How much of that was Baltimore? We're going to get to discussing <laughs> what it means uh, for the Bengals later on in the show, but I'm not really sure I have a good handle on Baltimore. And Indianapolis, again, the smallest of sample sizes, but if you look at what DVOA is telling you through two weeks so far, DVOA is telling you the Colts are better than you think they are. And especially on the defensive side of the ball, that this team overall is 15th in DVOA through two weeks. And if you look at other teams and my power ratings and where they go with that DVOA, as we said, it's a two-week sample size, but that's one that really stands out as where I haven't really adjusted the Colts up to that level in my power ratings yet. And yet there are some metrics that say that there's something to believe in here. So a lot of words for me to say that I, I just don't feel like I have a good enough handle on either of these teams to get involved teaser included. I don't want that. Denver Broncos at the Miami Dolphins. We are sitting six and a half across the board in favor of the Miami Dolphins. 47 and a half, 48 is your total. This thing bounced to seven for a brief minute, came back down to six and a half. It's pretty much sat at six and a half all week here, Adam. We do know that Jalen Waddell was back out at practice today, but has not yet cleared concussion protocol. So that I'm sure is lingering in all of that. We got a Denver Bronco defense that I think we all thought heading into the season where it's like, you know, I'm not sure whether Russell Wilson's any good or not. 
but they always have that defense to fall back on. Well, that defense has not shown up at least through the first couple of weeks of the season. How do you see this one as they travel over to play Miami? Everything in me wants to lay this with Miami and yet the Waddle injury and the fact that Miami's had a couple of games where the offense has been really, really good and yet not really been able to run away with either of them that keeps me from laying close to a touchdown with them. I know this total has already bounced upward to uh, I believe 48 was the last that I saw. I, I don't really see how this game stays under. I, that's the lean from me right now. I haven't actually played it, but we know that Mike McDaniel is going to find ways to scheme guys open. It's been demonstrated for a season and a couple of games now. And as you said, the Denver defense has not been good. Now, on the other side of the ball is the real question here. Can Denver chase? Because last week, think about where this game was. Denver was up 21-3. to They had a punt return come into Washington territory. They were about ready to put the kill shot on the commanders. Then Russell Wilson scrambles and fumbles. Commanders go get a touchdown. And all of a sudden, everything starts to fall apart for the Denver Broncos. So I don't know. Are we still waiting for Denver to come together? Russell had some really nice deep balls and then some truly ugly intermediate balls in that game. So I don't have a great handle on Denver. If you get the good version of Denver, I think they can cover six and a half. I think if you get the good enough version of Denver against the Fangio defense that maybe hasn't totally put all of it together yet, I think you're probably looking at a spot where my only lean here would be over. Yeah, I, um, you know, Stephen, I, I went ahead and played two uh, over the 262 and a half passing yards in this one because when I look at this, I think that we're getting a bit of a discount because Waddle may or may not go in this or maybe at this point, maybe likely not to go. I have all faith in, in what Adam just said in McDaniel being able to just be creative, get get it very interesting with all of this, get all these other guys involved, figure out exactly how to attack this team. And with that, um, look, we know what they do. They like to throw the ball down the field. We know that Tua is pretty efficient doing that because he has one of the best downfield wide receivers in all of the NFL and the underneath stuff like Braxton Berrios can handle that type of stuff. Like he's he, he can he could do that. Maybe they get the tight ends a little bit more involved this week. I just don't feel like they're going to get away from the stuff that's worked for them through the first two weeks. I think Tua throws it. I think he throws it often, and I think he has success doing it. So I, I, I only played this game through a prop standpoint, and that's Tua over on the 262.5. Tua is certainly not going to get pressure. The Broncos have a 13.5% pressure rate through two weeks despite blitzing 32% of the time. They couldn't even get pressure against the Las Vegas and Washington O-lines, which are not exactly top 10 projected lines coming into the season. So two is going to have time while we're talking Dolphins props, Matt. If Waddle is out, I'm probably going to have a small bet on Tyree Hill over six and a half receptions. In the four games last year, Waddle failed to play 70% of the snaps. Tyree Hill had eight plus catches in three of those four games. So that's a prop look I'm looking at. I don't have a bet on the spread here. Eli Hershkovich did bet Broncos plus six and a half. You can go to the Beat the Closing Number podcast in our network here if you want to hear why. For me, I have a Denver offensive concern as well. I mean, we were talking about the defense, but on offense, I'm concerned as well because through two weeks, they have the number one success rate in the first quarter. That jives, right? Sean Payton's a really good game planner, architect. But when the script ends, they drop from a 72% success rate on offense to 41% the rest of the game. That's only 20th in the NFL. So um, maybe if Denver gets out to a, a fast start here, I'm looking for a nice cheap discounted number on the live spread for Miami. But that's about as far as I would go on the spread. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I, I don't. I don't love the fact that Denver probably can't score a lot of points. Like I'm of the mindset that the Dolphins defense needs to only show up and be league average and they're going to outscore the vast majority of their opponents. Right. And so like, as long as the defense shows up and they're like league average week to week on a week to week basis, then the Dolphins are going to score more points than their opponent by and large, like pretty much every single week. Uh, all right, New England Patriots and the New York Jets. And uh, Stephen, we'll start here with you. This sitting two and a half in favor of the Patriots on the road. 36 and a half is uh, available at most places all the way down to 36 at one of the books out there. So we are seeing people come in on the under, probably rightfully so. Good defense for the Patriots, good defense for the Jets. And then you got a couple of offenses that you're still kind of scratching your head about. 
Weather might be contributing to this extremely low total as well. We're sitting at 36. There's some potential rain and wind in the forecast in East Rutherford. Uh, despite that, I just overall, I've been somewhat encouraged by the Patriots through two weeks. I thought they had really tough assignments to start the year against the Eagles and the Dolphins. Huge step down in class now against Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, the Patriots offense, eighth in success, excuse me, eighth in success rate, 12th in drop back success rate, seventh in rushing success rate. So they've been consistent play to play, getting the yards that they need. They're just below average in EPA because they don't have any explosive weapons in this offense. So I think Bill O'Brien has proven so far against two strong opponents that this is an upgrade for the Patriots offense. And I think the Patriots defense is pretty good too. This, this cornerback they have, Christian Gonzalez, number four cornerback by PFF so far, the rookie, Tyree Kill, extremely complimentary of him after he held Hill and Waddle to three catches for 32 yards when he was in coverage against them. So just a side note, Gonzalez sitting at 10 to one for defensive rookie of the year. I think he's definitely in the mix with Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, uh, but it, it's it's Patriots or pass here if it's under three, despite the weather concerns. Zach Wilson against Bill Belichick in four games so far. Three points scored, 17 points scored, 13 and six in the other two. If you think I'm back in the Jets against Bill Belichick in this situation, less than three, you're out of your damn mind. Adam, I know you like to look at some of the team props. I'm wondering if that's the angle you're heading at this week with a with an offense in the Jets that actually is sitting at 16 and a half as a team total. I find that a little a, a little steep for them. <laughs> a little? <laughs> yeah. A little steep? <laughs> yeah. Um, that is an excellent way to attack this game if you want to attack it. Um, I realize 36 is low. I realize I got absolutely jobbed on my Cleveland Pittsburgh under on Monday <laughs> yes, night by two defensive touchdowns. And that is certainly something that is in play in a game like this. Uh, I could not encourage you to take the over. Um, I still think an under is worth a look, but coming all the way back here, you like that team total under 16 and a half on the jets. I'm all for it, but I will lay this two and a half with new England. And this is a prove me wrong game, right? This is one of those games, Matt, you've talked about them where certain teams, you just, you you feel like your ratings tell you something that maybe the market isn't totally there on yet. And my ratings tell me that this New England team is actually legitimate, that, that this is a team that could compete for a wild card in the AFC if they're able to win this game. They should have beaten the Eagles, right? That They had a Mac Jones interception for pick six go against them early. And they were live for portions of that game against Miami. Let me list you out some quarterbacks here. I want to list you out through two weeks. Here's a list of quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, Josh Allen, Brock Purdy, and someone named Joe Burrow. And through two weeks, Mac Jones has a higher PFF grade than all of those quarterbacks. So I think we're starting to get the answer to the question of, can Mac Jones be fixable under Bill O'Brien? I don't need him to be Tom Brady. I don't need him to be 75% of Tom Brady. If this defense is as legitimate as it has looked, and think about the two teams that they have played. They have played Philadelphia, who we expected to be one of the two or three most efficient offenses in the league. And truly, that defense only gave up about 12 points to Philadelphia when you take out a pick six and a short field for that where Philly only had to go about 20 yards and they held Miami to 24. So this defense is absolutely legitimate. I think this is one of those games that could very easily end something like 17 to 3, 20 to 3, even 14 to 3 if you think the Jets defense can get some pressure on Mac Jones. So I, I think anything under that you want to look at makes a ton of sense. The other thing for me, I would like, uh, you know, I think the Jets maybe four or five weeks from now might be able to look at least not complete trash on the offensive side of the ball, but it's just going to take a longer time to come back around because they catered this offense to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, like they went out and signed Alan Lazard. Nobody wanted Alan Lazard. They went and got the corpse of Randall Cobb because no, because Aaron Rodgers wanted him. They built everything in the playbook around Aaron Rodgers. They literally had the backups sitting there telling you we had to learn a whole new like language essentially because it was what Aaron Rodgers wanted. And so that's just not going to change in two weeks, right? I mean, it's just not, they're not going to figure it out on the offensive side of the ball in a couple of weeks. Now, 
five weeks down the road, could we at least see something that doesn't look like complete gutter trash? Maybe, but I expect that we see complete gutter trash this week as well. It would certainly be the Patriots for me or pass. I am definitely going to play the Patriots in the, in any contest and pickup contest or anything that I'm in this week. So I will have some exposure to them one way or another. Houston, Texas on the road at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jags are sitting eight, eight and a half in favor uh, at home here. 44, 44 and a half is your total. Adam, as we look at this, I don't have, uh, I talked about the teaser leg I had earlier. This is the other half of it. The Jags down to two and a half against this Texas team. That's just absolutely murdered by injuries this week. Listen, they've shown signs of life, right? Like they've at least shown some signs of life, but can they pull the outright upset on the road here with all these guys injured? I just don't think so. Jags also my survivor play of the week. So follow if you, if you want to. Um, but that's where I'm putting all my entries over here in the circuit contest as well. Uh, that's my exposure to the Jags this week. So I'm going to start this by saying I am a little bit worried about the Jags offense based on what I saw against Kansas City last week. However, I think we also have to consider that maybe Kansas City's defense is a little better than we expected I think it's good. it to be. Absolutely. Right? Like when you think Absolutely. about the two offenses they've played in Detroit and in Jacksonville, they've looked solid. They got pressure on Trevor Lawrence. Now, the worry for me is that pressure that can be generated on Trevor Lawrence from an offensive line that's looked a little shaky through two weeks, but Houston's not the team to do it. Right. They're already down Derek Stingley in the secondary, so it's not like they can just send everybody and hope that they're going to be able to guard Calvin Ridley one-on-one deep with the great corners that they have. That's not what's going to happen this week. There are two games where my power ratings are far off market. One of them is this one. I actually make this Jacksonville into double digits. I have Jacksonville 10 uh, in this game. Sitting 8.5 at the moment, I'm right there with you, Matt. I think the safe play is a Jacksonville tease. If you wanted to lay it, I'm not sure I could really argue with you, but considering that there are other good teaser legs out there this week, I think the safe play is to tease Jacksonville down. You look, Stephen, at the injury report for the Texans, just lots of DNPs in the secondary, which you never like to see. You're still working at, at your star offensive tackle with limited uh, limited practice of tons. I mean, there's just a lot on that side of the ball, which I just don't know if they're going to be able to, to hang with, with Jacksonville. I look at it like this. If you look at Jacksonville, the points weren't on the board, but dude, they were 0 for 6 in the red zone against the Chiefs. Like there was a chance for that team. Like it was not like completely out of the realm of possibility that they could have pulled off the upset against the Chiefs in that game. I mean, there were they were down there. They just couldn't get it done. So for me, I, I look at this and this is just such a step down in class. Like I am a fan of that Chiefs defense. I actually think that Chiefs defense, when it's all said and done, we're going to be talking about a top seven, eight unit when it's all said and done. We're not going to say that about the Texans at all. And certainly not this week when they're missing basically their whole secondary. I think this could be a very big, big game for Trevor Lawrence and, and Calvin Ridley. I would, I, I would even be looking at Ridley props as well, because uh, we got a little bit of a depressed number on him because of the limited production last week. But like I said, I, I, I think the chiefs defense is just good. So, I mean, I think a lot of teams are going to struggle into the chiefs defense. So give me uh give me the Jags, tons of Jags this week. I'm with you guys. The Jags teaser under three was the easiest decision I made this week. Um, I am going to be watching very carefully because I was high on the Jags coming into the season. And the thing I was worried about is actually what's been um, encouraging through two weeks. The defense, believe it or not, through two weeks is top five in EPA and success rate allowed. And that included a game against Mahomes. So hats off to the Jacksonville defense, at least for passing through the first couple of uh, games here. I agree with Adam. I'm a little concerned about the offense against tougher competition, not concerned about it against the Texans, but I think it's at least notable that Doug Peterson is not calling the plays for the Jaguars offense. It's press Taylor. So um, I would like to see some better results here going forward with that. And I think that might be a part of the whole situation here too. We have, uh, I think we're, we're, we're pretty simpatico though, across the board on this one. This is, this is all of us pretty heavy on, on the Jags for this yeah. particular game. Anyway, Tennessee Titans and the Cleveland Browns, this is sitting three and a half though. There are some, uh, hooks that have been taken off the board. There are a couple of threes that are out there. Expensive threes in favor of the Cleveland Browns. 39 and a half is your total. So I've never, I've not been more wrong about an NFL football team in the history of my life than it is the last three years of this Tennessee Titans team. I imagine, <laughs> right. I imagine I'll get it wrong again in this game. Look, 
this Browns defense to me is like, I, I mean, what I think they're top five might even be ended up, end up being like top three when it's all said and they have playmakers at every single level. Everybody is good. Everything they do is good. You should see a team where, by the way, Derrick Henry questionable with the toe injury. And even if he does, I mean, he's going to go, but like, he's going to be less than a hundred percent teams that have been able to get pressure. Ryan Tannehill is the worst. He wilts under pressure. Like he's the absolute worst under pressure. The Browns should be able to be in the backfield left and right. And guess what, Steven, I don't have a bet on this game because that is where I sit right now in all, like everything points to the Browns. Like they should be in the backfield. Tannehill should hand them the ball twice. Like everything, they, they might not even have to do all that much to win this game and cover this spread, but I, I, I just can't until I see it with my own eyes. I just cannot put it in the account. I suspect the reason you haven't put it into the account is a, a name, uh, a quarterback by the name of Deshaun Watson, because that's the reason I haven't put it in at this point. I thought about it in depth this week. And at this point, I think I would only have Josh Dobbs, Desmond Ritter, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields and Bryce Young below Deshaun Watson at this point. Because through two weeks, he's 31st in EPA. He's 26th in success rate. He's second in air yards, which has led to him being dead last in expected completion percentage. Oh, and he's also bottom five in completion percentage over expected in the midst of those rankings with Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. The Cleveland offense, 31st in success rate from the second quarter on. So any success they've had in their overall rankings has been bolstered by Stefanski's script in the first quarter of these games. They're behind only Arizona from the second quarter on in success rate as an offense. If you go back to last year when Deshaun Watson came back from a suspension, overall last year, 38th, 39th, and 40th among quarterbacks in success rate, EPA, and CPOE respectively. It's a shame it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. I mean, uh, if you look at Deshaun Watson here, tell me why this isn't the Jets with Zach Wilson and a great defense with a much more expensive quarterback. And if, if that's my belief of what this team is at this point, not a chance in hell I'm laying three and a half with a team set up like this. I mean, I don't trust Deshaun Watson one iota at this point, and it is more than just a two-game sample size this year. This goes back to last year. We have not seen him play good football since 2020. Not 2022, not 2021, 2020. So I am not laying points for a team to win by four or more in the NFL with a quarterback like this. I don't care what his name is. I don't care how much his contract is. This is a bad quarterback at this point. So, Adam, we're going to find out whether he is completely washed or not because you lose Nick Chubb for the season. And by the way, you can't run against the Titans anyway. Like the one thing you can't do is that defensive line just does not let you run. You can throw all over them. Derek Carr went for friggin' 305 yards against him. So it's like you can throw all over him. So this is the week, right? This is the week. This is the week we find out is Deshaun Watson completely washed or not because he's going to have to throw the ball. They're going to, have to throw the ball a ton to have success. You're without your stud running back. This is it. Prove it to us that you're not like the worst contract in NFL history. Matt gives his take. Steven gives his take. Matt gives the secondary version of his take, and it leaves Adam with that much left to talk about. So I'm <laughs> going to just say this much for you, okay? My rating on this game is Cleveland minus six, and I haven't mm. bet it. Um, I think this defense is as outstanding as everybody says it's going to be. Um, I am still burned on last week from having played the Chargers uh, and losing that game mm. to the Titans. And so the other side of this is that Mike Vrabel is a coaching edge over Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. So I think the only way that I would consider getting involved in this game is even under 39 and a half, because I am with, I'm with Steven on the idea that Deshaun Watson is playing well. I think it is super hot takey to say that you would only take him over that list of quarterbacks, like hot, takey, 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 uh, uh, like talky, talky, takey, takey, like, uh, to say all of that. No, I mean, no, no, you had to you you show me chance. some results at you some had... point in the last 720 days, Adam. That's all I'm asking. I don't have to because I can show you a guy who was damn near the MVP of the league before he was suspended. I have much more of a body of work that says a quarterback of Deshaun Watson's age 
is going to be able to perform at a high level than I do the body of work that you're pointing to, which is not even half a season to say that he's terrible. That said, at this very moment, he's terrible. I can't argue that. I don't think that that means he's going to be terrible moving forward. But as Matt said, if this is the moment, then go ahead and show us, right? This right, is the but spot. It doesn't where make gonna, you want to bet it. him this week, right? Because of that. You need to see it at this point. I need to see that he can throw against a defense that is asking him to throw the football. But I also am cognizant of the fact that he has not been a match for this Cleveland offense for the, from the second that he got there. This is not the kind of offense that we've seen him succeed with in the past. But now it's on Stefanski, right? Nick Chubb's gone for the year. You don't have your battering ram anymore. So now it's on Kevin Stefanski really to, and truly to adjust because you don't have the efficient running attack that made it so clear that you want your quarterback to be able to fit into that. Now he has to tailor it around the quarterback and we'll see if something changes. Yeah, last point here that I think has flown under the radar because just this is such an injury riddled week is the, uh, DeAndre Hopkins got downgraded. Like uh, he was, he was, uh, he was a full participant on Wednesday and, and then limited uh, on, on uh, Thursday. So like anytime we see a downgrade in the middle of the week, it's never any good. And he's been talking about, he's been battling this little ankle thing or whatever. So that's, that's another weapon that could be down for this Titans team. And even that, I still don't want to go bet the Browns. So if that tells you anything about where I sit in all of this, Atlanta Falcons and the Detroit Lions. Adam, we're sitting three in favor of Detroit. It's an expensive three. Could be heading to three and a half. Uh, 46, 46 and a half is your total. Looks like Desmond Ritter might be in over his head. Doesn't look like this is really working for whatever reason. As you've pointed out several times here on this podcast, like they don't want to throw Kyle Pitts the ball for whatever friggin' reason. Like you spend a top pick on him. Like the guy is a total mismatch. They don't want to throw him the ball. I, I just... I don't know. It almost feels like we're a bunch of prove it games here, but it's like, hey, Lions, if you don't suck, like if you are honestly to God, if you are honest to God, a real contender in the NFL this year, then you should beat this Falcons team. You should beat this Falcons team by double digits. But like it's 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 sitting three right now. It does look like maybe there's some Lions money coming in. Well, keep in mind, this game opened six in most places mm -hmm. and it has been battered to Atlanta all week long. A couple of the sharp services came out with plays on Atlanta. So you say it's a heavy three, like three, three minus 20, but I actually think it's a three minus 20 with resistance the other way of saying, I don't really want to go to three, but this game might get all the way to three. It wouldn't be enough for me to come back in on Detroit. Detroit was one of those teams. I really wanted to go back and watch more of after the opening week. And I watched a lot of that game against Seattle and it showed me two things. One, this defense really is bad. Detroit's defense is not good, and it looked really good in week one because of getting that fluky turnover against Kansas City and because they went against the Kansas City team with no Travis Kelsey. And also that I do think this offense has legitimate upside. Now, mm. Amon Ross St. Brown is hurt. We're not sure exactly what we're going to get out of him this week, and that changes a big amount of the equation. Now David Montgomery is out, so we have to see, are they able to put a workhorse load on Jameer Gibbs, the rookie, to be able to perform. I don't want either side in this game because, as I said very loudly at the beginning of week one, Desmond Ritter has not even showed us that he is a bottom half of the league quarterback. And to this point of the season, I would say he's probably been a bottom three quarterback so far overall. So I don't necessarily want Atlanta. I've said a lot when it comes to unders this week. I got burned on it last week in what was the most remarkable overweek in, I believe, what, almost 30 years in the <laughs> NFL? More overs than we had seen. Now, mind you, the overall scoring environment had been depressed. You had five or six totals that closed under 40. I think this is the one game where I'm, I'm perfectly content to look over uh, yeah. 46. I, I don't think Atlanta's defense is particularly good. Green Bay found themselves in some spots where they missed opportunities to run that score out to 30 or even more last week and you can't judge anything by an awful Carolina team in week one and we know Detroit's offense is good and we know that their defense is bad Steven we get a a Falcons team that we know what they're going to do they're they they are going to use B. John Robinson that's for damn sure like they are going to use him they're going to feed him the ball he's going to get a ton of touches outside of that don't really know what the philosophy is really going on there with them and this Lions team we've seen some good we've seen some bad so far this season which which one which version do you believe um, 
I think last week was bad turnover luck for them. I think that's what cost them the game. Um, if you look at closing lines and what the market thinks of this team, you know, they were four and a half at home against Seattle. I I agree that the move from the look ahead here from minus five and a half to six down to minus three, let's just say minus 115, if you can get it, is too much. I would bet Detroit minus three, minus 115 in this game. Um, I think that's going going too far. They They had six and a half yards per play last week against Seattle. The Falcons defense is middle of the road at this point, I would say. They're not horrible like they were last year, but um, through two weeks, 18th in success rate and drop back EPA against Bryce Young and Jordan Love, who didn't have Christian Watson. So I think jury's very much still out with this Atlanta defense. I think Detroit should be able to score on them. So it's a little nerve wracking when you're playing the team that's gotten more respected better action through three weeks than any other in the NFL, but I'm also getting the best of the number here. So I'm, I'm not going to bet the minus three yet on the lions because why not just wait? Maybe we'll get even more Atlanta action come Sunday, the way the first two weeks have gone. Uh, but this is, this is going to be a buy point for me on Sunday. If it's, if it's minus three or better. It's going to be a, it's going to be an interesting game for sure, because both of these teams, I think there, there are, there are big believers out there in both of these teams, right? Like there are, yeah. there are teams like Adam, like there, there, there are people out there that are beating the drum for the Falcons. Like, I mean, like there, yeah. that is happening. And there are certainly some people who say like, no, nah, man, this, this Lions offense is going to score on everybody. Like th- this is a game in which I think we can get a preview of uh, not, not necessarily are these teams for real, but how we might treat them moving forward. Well, I think the key is to read that line move in relation to reading what the total has done in this game. This game opened 44 and a half and is now up to 46 and the money has come on the Falcons. To me, that says this is not an under read, right? The market is reading this game as I think the Falcons can score on Detroit. Otherwise, you wouldn't see those two moves happening in concert. We should also note Decker and Vitae on the offensive line for the Lions both ruled out today, although St. Brown full participant on Friday. Bet basketball, baseball, or golf with a bonus bet of up to $1,050 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code PLAYBONUS50 and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. The Lions podcast listeners can get the BetMGM app today and use promo code PLAYBONUS50 to claim your exclusive welcome bonus of up to $1,050 after your first bet. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. This is a new customer offer, 21 years or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. U.S. promotional offers not available in Nevada, New York, or Ontario. Please gamble responsibly. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Kansas, and Nevada, call 1-800-522-4700. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050. In Iowa, call 800 800- bets off and call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. New Orleans Saints at the Green Bay Packers. This is sitting one, one and a half in favor of the Packers at home against the Saints. 42 and a half is your total. Steven, when we take a look at this one, it is a Green Bay team that don't really know what they are quite yet, right? Mixed reactions from Jordan Love. He's done some things where you say like, oh, okay, maybe he's all right. Then he's done some things where he's missed some wide open throws and made some pretty bad decisions where you're like, oh man, this does look like a guy that doesn't have very much experience. On the Saints side of things, y'all know my opinion on the Saints. Just nothing spectacular from the Saints. I, I don't find them to be particularly interesting in any way, shape or form. What are you seeing here? Saints, Packers, one and a half, 42 and a half. No bet for me. It's it's a team, a game where I have two teams where I have some futures on. I have Packers to win the division at plus 500. I have Saints to be the last unbeaten at 28 to one with some very winnable games ahead here. Just a schedule play there. Uh, just my observations, at least for this game. Derek Carr really hasn't impressed me through a couple of weeks. He's third in air yards again, which is basically what we saw when he was in Vegas. So that just by definition by definition is going to lead to more boom or bust outcomes when you're throwing the ball that far down the field. 
I do see a big mismatch in the trenches here in favor of the Packers. They have a top 10 pass block win rate offensive line through the first couple of weeks that jives with what we've seen in recent years with the talent they have on that offensive line. And that is also including a game last week where Bakhtiari didn't play. It looks like he's not going to play again this week. The Saints through the first two weeks dead last in pass rush win rate. So I think Jordan Love's going to have time to operate here, but also Christian Watson midweek downgrade. So I don't know what version of the Packers we're getting in this game with the injuries. I have concerns about Derek Carr quarterback. So I think the only way I'd play this is a Saints teaser leg up to eight. Um, but I, I don't feel great about it, to be honest with you, because I just don't really like what I've seen from Derek Carr. Yeah, only not going to get it to eight. Uh, point and a half is the best number out there right now. So you get oh, wow. you okay. get it, you get up to seven and a half, uh, 42 and a half. Adam, what do you see here in Saints and Packers? I share some of the concerns about Derek Carr, but I don't think it's about Carr. I think it's way more about this offensive line uh, yeah. that is bottom 10 in the league right now in both pass blocking grade and in run blocking grade by PFF. I can't give you a full grade on this Saints offense until I see Alvin Kamara back in it because I don't think that would be fair uh, to what their capabilities are. Mm -hmm. However, um, what you talked about with the mismatch in the trenches and Green Bay's ability to generate pass rush, I think is going to really show us what Derek Carr is capable of because the knock on Carr has always been What's he going to do when he's under pressure? He's not the most mobile of quarterbacks. And is he going to be able to keep it together when he's under pressure? On the other side of this, if you haven't been following the QB school breakdowns uh, of the quarterbacks over the first few weeks, I would definitely suggest doing that because it showed to me that Jordan loves getting a lot of help from Matt LaFleur, but that's not going to change, right? He's going to continue yeah. to get help from Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is putting him in situations to succeed. Green Bay by any measure should have won that game last week against Atlanta. They had a couple of third downs where love had opportunities to make passes that would have put the game away and they didn't ultimately get the job done. They had a chance late to come back and get a field goal. They didn't get that either. Green Bay is live. I like the division future that Steven has this week in particular. If you made me jump aside, I would take Green Bay, but that's a light lean at best. I'll probably end up staying out of it. Yeah, Saints defense is like just good enough, right? Like to give everybody problems. Like there's just enough playmakers to give everybody problems. And just the the very small sample size I have on love, it's just hard for me to come in and, and back him in this in this situation. But and that's that's a bold statement for me because I just I just hate the Saints team. I hate the way it's made up, at least currently, right? Like it could be completely changed whenever Kamara comes back. But at least the first three weeks, I just don't like the makeup of this team in, in general. So Maybe the seven and a half in a 42 and a half. If you wanted to play on a teaser leg, I could get there, but probably something I'm just going to avoid altogether. Buffalo Bills and the Washington Commanders. This was one of the first bets I put in my account this week, and it uh, it really didn't move. I thought this would get to seven, maybe even through seven. I got it at six. It is six and a half at a couple of places. Uh, 43, 43 and a half is the total here. Adam, when we take a look at the Bills, I kind of feel like the Bills are going to be a bully to bad teams and then struggle against good teams. I I put the commanders in the bad team category. So I think the Bills can kind of go in there and bully them. The same concerns we had coming into this season, I think, exist still for the Bills, which is there is no real true secondary option for them. And against these good teams with good defenses, I think that's going to really show up, right? Because when you have to only target Steph Diggs over and over and over and over and over again, they eventually just end up double and triple teaming him. And, you know, Gabe Davis is like a lower tier wide receiver too, in my opinion. Now it might be Dalton Kincaid who ends up being that number two at some point throughout the course of the season, but that's not there. I'm going to be fading the bills against elite defenses and probably backing them against teams that I think they can move the ball on and or pathetic offenses, which I think is where Washington fits in for me, where they're just not going to be able to score. And so therefore the bills will do enough to be able to, 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 to extend it out to, again, I need a touchdown in this one. So it's one of the first bets I put in. I don't love it, love it, but I, it, it certainly was going to be bills or pass for me. And so I took the bills. So I'm not going to go oppo you on this because I would actually want the full seven on Washington, but ugh, it, it, I hate the fact that I'm starting to develop an affinity for this team. Um, I don't think they're great. I don't even think that they're going to be really good 
but I do think they're going to be live as a betting team throughout the year. Now, part of that this week is that Buffalo's not getting any pass rush, and they probably won't until Von Miller gets back. And I saw enough out of Sam Howell last week throwing for just shy of 300 yards against Denver that I know he's got an arm. I know he can make some throws, and I'm not sure Buffalo is going to be the team that's going to be able to force the turnovers that he might get himself into by the amount of time he's taking in the pocket, right? They're, they're not a team that's getting the kind of pass rush. He He's the quarterback who, if you give him a little bit of time, he might actually be able to find something downfield. So, all right, that being said on that side of the ball, on the other side, Washington's front seven just finally came together last week, and they did make life difficult for Russell Wilson throughout the last three quarters of that game. That being said, I don't know how great they are in the back end, and Josh Allen absolutely looked the part. <laughs> Watching some of the throws he made against the Raiders last week, I think a lot of people probably turned that game off after they got up by you know 14 points or so. Josh Allen was dealing last week yeah. uh, against the Raiders. And I think it's absolutely possible that he does it again this week against the commanders. However, the weapons, the commanders have what I saw to Sam Howell last week. I do think they're a live chase team as well. So all of that said, it probably ends up being a game that I sit out unless it does touch that seven in which I probably will have a little bit on Washington. Yeah, full touchdown certainly changes the equation. I, I think that that would be the more appropriate number, in my opinion. Stephen, what do you see here in the uh, commanders at home against the Bills? I'm with Adam on this one. I, I didn't bet it because I need the 7-2. I don't think we're going to get it, but it would be commanders or pass for me. I also added a Chase Young 70-1 to comeback player of the year ticket this week after a sack and a half last week. Now, DeMar Hamlin could play one snap this year and win that award, so I wouldn't endorse putting a lot of money into other players in this market but his price is creating really big prices on the other guys in the market so it's it's a sprinkle for me now for this matchup something really interesting happened with josh allen last week and on this podcast adam talked about the transition to 12 personnel in the bills offense and i begged and pleaded for josh allen to take the layups and stop taking so many shots downfield Last week against the Raiders, Josh Allen was dead last in the NFL in air yards. That led to a greater than 70% expected completion percentage, top five in week two. And the offense as a whole had more than six yards per carry, sorry, six yards per play on offense. A reminder, last year, Josh Allen was bottom five in expected completion percentage in the second half of the year. If he's going to do that and he's going to be patient, this is going to be a very efficient Bills offense. But at the same time, it might also lead to longer drives, more methodical approach, shortened games, fewer possessions, increase the variance a little bit. So like we've seen with the Chiefs offense transitioning to this style, a little bit tougher to cover big numbers when you're playing that way. So uh, that's kind of where I'm at with this Washington team and this offense. Rumor has it they've changed his last name to Sam Howitzer after that bullet to Terry McLaurin last mm -hmm. week. Uh, but for now, it's it's commanders are passed for me, but very encouraging signs from Josh Allen last week. Yeah, the the injury report was not great yesterday for the Bills, but we haven't gotten the official injury report for them quite yet whenever we're recording this. But the before practice, it was everybody, everyone was going to was going to give it a go today. Now, whether they were actually going, you know, how much they were going to practice and all their stuff like that, like that wasn't necessarily uh, mentioned, but every, it was a long list. If you were kind of concerned, like I was with the bills, but as of this morning, everybody was at least going to practice and then we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes from there. And all of that one, I just think that you're going to beat up. I think they're going to beat the hell out of bad teams and, and just really struggle with the, with the elite teams, uh, Los Angeles chargers and the Minnesota Vikings. You might not want to bet this one, but you sure as hell are going to want to watch it. It is one, one and a half in favor of the Vikings. It is a all the way up to 54 at the majority of the books out there. I caught this one on the upswing. We talked about it here on the pod last week. We will continue to beat the drum. This Vikings team is going to be a dead over team until we see otherwise. The Chargers likely a dead over team until we see otherwise. And that's why we're getting a total of 54 when we have so many totals in the 30s and, and very low 40s. Good offenses, terrible defenses. Two good quarterbacks with weapons. This should be a shootout. One of the more fun games 
of the week. Um, Stephen, for me, I, I, I mean, look, even at 54, I would only, it would only be an over or pass. Right? I know no, no one cares that I got 51. Like, if, even at 54, it would still, I would, I'm not sweating an under in a game with the Vikings and Chargers. It's just not happening. The Chargers offense has been one of the most efficient offenses in the league this year. The Vikings offense have been, as we've seen, certainly from a passing aspect, not from a rushing aspect, from a passing aspect has been lights out. And we know that both of these defenses give up yards and chunk plays and things left and right. This is going to be a hell of a game to watch. That's for sure. I suck at totals, so I respect your opinion. And I'll give you my <laughs> analysis on the spread. <laughs> I started the week thinking that I'd be interested in the Chargers. And to my surprise, after digging in a little bit, I think it would only be Vikings for me at this point. Uh, when, Min when Minnesota has the ball, they've been elite in a yards per play standpoint against two pretty respectable defenses in Philadelphia and Tampa Bay. 6.3 yards per play the first couple of weeks. It's been the turnovers and the fumbles that have killed the Vikings. And at least on the injury report for the offensive line, it looks like Bradbury and Shaw are trending towards playing this week against the Chargers. Meanwhile, the L.A. defense... I know there was that game against Miami, but overall 13 and a half percent pressure rate, despite blitzing 38% of the time, that's a good way to get gashed on the back end of your defense. When the chargers have the ball, not as impressive turnovers aside uh, compared to the Vikings offense, Justin Herbert and company five and a half yards per play against the Miami and Tennessee defenses. Five and a half for context was around league average last year. Vikings defense 4.7 yards per play allowed and that included a game against the Eagles last week on a short week so um, at least on the very basic analysis of this I kind of landed on Minnesota here I'm not sure I'm going to bet it because I still think both defenses are not very good but I thought it was really interesting that um, you know Brian Flores 49% Wink Martindale level blitz rate through two weeks only a 19% pressure rate. But in the middle of that Eagles game, if you guys were watching, you saw what I saw. Dropping eight guys in coverage and just saying, to hell with it, we can't get pressure. Let's just drop eight guys in coverage and see if the quarterback can find one of his best receivers with two guys on him. So I'm curious if we see a little bit more of that against the Chargers this week. Flores is trying to make things work and change things up. Uh, but I landed on the Vikings here after digging into some numbers. Uh, Adam, when we take a look, I mean, probably people love to just, for whatever reason, try and talk trash about Kirk Cousins and all the, uh, oh, look around. He was the third graded quarterback of the week last week, had an awesome game, looked really, really crisp. And of course, all those weapons that he's got, uh, Herbert and them, despite the fact that it hasn't really shown up yet, there's been a very, very efficient on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Yeah. Is it possible for a receiver to have 300 yards in a game? I'm not <laughs> sure we've ever seen that before, but if ever it were going to happen, it, it would be Justin Jefferson this week. Um, the Chargers, the Chargers can't cover anybody. Um, and I'm a little bit recency bias burned on this one because it was bombs by Ryan Tannehill to, let me see, Nick Westbrook Akine yeah. got yeah. one of them. And I yeah. believe it was Chris Moore got yeah. the other one for yeah. the Tennessee Titans. And that is part of how I lost one of the most obvious bets that I've mm -hmm. made uh, in quite a while on the Los Angeles Chargers this year. And so if you want to play props and, and look for overs, great. I think that's a pretty chalky straight way to do it. I think if you are willing to watch this game and you're in a place where you can live bet, this is the freaking live betting Super Bowl. Uh, you are going to have opportunities the way these teams are going to go back and forth you are going to have chances to be able to get both teams at plus money throughout this game. You're going to be able to build up a middle that you can probably play off all the way through to the fourth quarter and maybe even take a big spread at the end of the fourth quarter and get one team to bring this back within a score because what do you think is going to happen? Both of these teams are going to allow you to score and they're going to be able to keep pushing the ball down the field. The back door will never be shut in a game like this. I think it's going to trade back and forth all game long. I don't know if we're going to get to 54. I'm not about to tell you that we're not, but I do know that I don't want a piece of this pregame. If I were to have played it pregame, I probably would have wanted the opening teaser on Minnesota plus eight and a half. But when we're talking about a game that is cruising toward 54 
on the total, those points matter a whole lot less. So I'm not necessarily yeah. as interested in that teaser. But if you're willing to look at this thing live, I think you're going to have opportunities to bet both teams at plus money throughout this game. And you're probably going to get a late opportunity on a spread that might get to more than a touchdown that'll let you be able to get a little aggressive there, too. 59 and a half is the receiving prop for Mike Williams in this game. I know everyone's going to be looking to the number wide receiver ones in this one. Don't look now. Mike Williams got 13 targets last week. He's going to get another 13 this week. And uh, I think he's a pretty good shot to get to your 59 and a half for Mike Williams. I do have that in the account this week. Feel pretty good about Mike Williams over in that one. There's going to be a lot of passing in this game, and it is going to be a lot of success in this one as well. Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks. It is going to be the return of the Red Rifle. Andy Dalton going for the Panthers this week. Seahawks are five and a half point favorites. 42 is the total. Adam, we're getting a ton of, is it an upgrade to go to Andy Dalton and blah, 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 and all this stuff that's that's happening with the team. It doesn't matter who's playing quarterback. It could be prime Tom Brady. There's no weapons for this Panthers team. Like nobody can get open. Go watch the all 22s at the end of the at the end of the week every week, like we do. You you will see Panthers that were running with with corners in their hip pocket like the entire time. Like nobody can get any separation whatsoever. Doesn't matter if it's Andy Dalton, doesn't matter if it's prime Tom Brady. Um, it would only, it's not in the account. It would only be Seahawks or pass for me, even with all the injuries that they have, it would still only be Seahawks or pass for me. I can't see myself back in the Panthers. What's most interesting to me about this game is this is going to be the best defense that we've seen Seattle go against thus far. And we saw Seattle's offense have first half success against the Rams. They were terrible in the second half. And then we saw them have success throughout the game against the Detroit Lions. Another game that I went back and paid close attention to because I was trying to figure out a little bit more about who the Seahawks are. Geno Smith threw some darts in that game. Uh, Geno Smith had some absolutely outstanding throws. He also had a couple of absolutely incomprehensible decisions that allowed the Detroit Lions to get back into that game, including that sack he took back by about the one yard line that ultimately allowed them to tie it. So I'm not sure I really know uh, Seattle quite yet, but I do know that this defense is decent. And on the other side, I have a pretty good feeling that Carolina's not going to be able to do anything offensively. So I think to what you said, Matt, Carolina team total under, full game under are the ways that I would be interested in it. But you're not going to find me laying more than a field goal with Seattle until I have a little better sense of what this team is. Steven, you know, I was as high on Seattle as anybody entering this season. I still got to see. We've got the we've got the doc, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde version of this team so far. Let me see what you can do uh, here in week three, and then maybe we can get a position. But uh, what do you, where do you stand on the, the Panthers offense and is this actually an upgrade and where do you stand on the injury front with, with the Seattle Seahawks? I, I don't, if it's an upgrade, it doesn't mean that they're good now all of a sudden. So mm -hmm. that's, that's part of it. I think the Seahawks defense, if I have an opinion on the Seahawks at this point, it's probably that I think the defense might be really bad. Uh, they're 27th and 30th in EPA and success rate on D dead last and drop back success rate to the first couple of weeks. I just don't have a read on this team. I, I continue each week to be on the opposite side of what the market's doing. So I'm just going to kind of sit back and observe some more because week one, the narrative is all the Seahawks are going to kill the Rams. Sharp action on the Rams. Rams win outright. Week two, all the Lions are going to kill the Seahawks. Sharp action on Seattle. Seattle wins outright. This week, Seahawks are going to kill the Panthers. The numbers move towards the Panthers. So I don't. I can't figure it out. It's a pass for me. I'm just going to sit back and watch. Chicago Bears and the Kansas City Chiefs, this sitting 12 and a half, pretty much across the board out there. 48, 48 and a half is your total. Uh, Steven, I mean, our analysis on this is like just how bad are the Chiefs going to win by? It's not whether the Chicago Bears are actually going to be able to pull the upset here. Things are about as bad as they could be in Chicago right now. You have the quarterback saying that it's the coaching. It's the reason why he's not playing all that great. You got the defensive coordinator who steps down. It, it couldn't be any worse, basically, for the Bears right now. You want to play the Chiefs and Survivor, maybe. Like I, I guess I could tell you, do that. Maybe you can find a prop that you feel good with, though. The Chiefs have shown a pretty good propensity for taking their foot off the gas at home in games in, when, in which they are like blowing teams out. So I don't even know if I want to go that way because Kelsey might be out because you know they want to preserve that knee of his. So I just don't know how to attack this one. And so when I don't even have a beginning of a, of a way to attack, I just typically kind of scratch it off the list. 
I don't think I've ever said this on this podcast, but it's the NFL 12 point favorite or pass for me. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> kind of crazy, but yeah. it, what's interesting to me is the preseason line on this game was chiefs minus nine and a half. And right now in some places we've only moved two and a half points. And in the preseason, we didn't know if Chris Jones was going to be back. We also didn't know if the Kansas City defense was good at that point. They seem pretty damn good now beyond preseason expectation. And at that point, we also thought the Bears were a league average team based on the market ratings. And I think in my mind, it's pretty clear this is a bottom three team. So mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't think two and a half points off the preseason line is enough here. So I, I might be betting Chiefs here. I might, I'll put it in the lines discord if I do, but I'm strongly considering it. Adam, big spread, good team, bad team. We talked about we are a fan of this Chiefs defense as well, and uh, that should only bode well against an offense that's done absolutely nothing so far this season. There are many things that I'm wrong about every day. There are many things I've been wrong about already this season. I was not wrong about Chicago being the most overrated team in the league and my God, the piling on Adam, you take your victory. Yeah. The piling on, on social media has become quite a lot on the bears and it's understandable why, right? Because just about everything that can be going wrong for this franchise is going wrong right now. The reason I think some people are hesitant on getting bigger on the chiefs probably has to do with two and three years ago's chiefs where you saw these double digit spreads that they just were not covering with any consistency. And I think it's also because you look at the first two weeks, you don't see the Chiefs scoring a lot, right? You you see a 20-point performance against Detroit, and then you see 17 last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Stephen mentioned something about turnover luck uh, when it came to Detroit earlier. Man, oh man, did the Chiefs have the worst of turnover luck last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Also, when you look at that 17 points, realize that the Chiefs drove down to the two-yard line at the end of that game and decided to run the clock out as opposed to Mm -hmm. punching it in one more time against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So congrats to you who had that Jacksonville teaser. Uh, You got home in a situation where Mm -hmm. you probably ultimately uh, shouldn't have. But I think the Chiefs could have scored a lot more than they did last week, but they turned the ball over three times in the first half. So that created opportunities for Jacksonville that they didn't take advantage of. And that goes back to this Kansas City defense, which, again, we have to talk about the fact that they've played against two very good offenses to start this season. They legitimately allowed 14 points to Detroit because one of those was a pick six that went back against them. And then they allowed nine to Jacksonville. You want to talk about over six in the red zone? That was because the throws that Trevor Lawrence had to try to make in the red zone were either covered or guys were at the back of the end zone, well covered, trying to tap toe tap down their feet. I think the Chiefs defense is legitimate enough that I will at least take a hard look at laying points with Kansas City here because I'm not sure that there's anything Chicago can do short of 10 or 12 design runs for Justin Fields, which they've shown they don't want to do. Yeah, they better move the ball. Yeah, they better do. I mean, seriously, they better. They, They better have done that because if not, it could get ugly really quick. Dallas Cowboys and the Arizona Cardinals, another 12, 12 and a half point spread. Um Somebody has already moved this thing to 13 out there in favor of the Cowboys. We are sitting 42 and a half to 43 as the total in this one. Adam, listen, I don't know if we've learned a ton about the Cowboys. I mean, it's a pretty soft opening schedule for them so far. They're beating up on the bad teams like they should. They should beat up on this team as well. We should see Micah Parsons doing all kinds of Micah Parsons things. We should see Dak have some success through the air. I think we might get some inflated views of the Cowboys. I mean, I think they're legit, but I think we might see some people saying like, oh, this team's the greatest team in the NFL or whatever. It's like, let's let's take into account the opponents that they're playing here. I'd love to try to make a case for the Cardinals. I would love to try to say, hey, 12 and a half, 13 is too much in the NFL against anybody. Certainly when you're at home, can't do it. They're they're talent devoid. There's nobody that's any good on the team. I'm just going to... uh, I'm going to sit back and just kind of count. Maybe there's an in-game opportunity if the Cowboys start a little sluggish. And if you can get it under double digits, maybe that's something I'll look to do. But that's kind of the angle for me here. Remember that meme that was going around about five or so years ago where the guy was like, I've been working on this for six months, and he just tweeted it out. He, <laughs> he just tweeted it out. I have been thinking about my Cowboys take for the last 24 hours, and Matt Brown just threw it out there right in front of oh, me, which is sorry. that we don't know anything about Dallas. We don't know a damn thing about this team. They played a weather game against a team 
that I believe might be starting five cardboard cutouts at offensive line. <laughs> and then they went against Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. So we know nothing about them. And this is not going to be the week we find out any more about them either. Now, as for the Cardinals on the other side of this, the Cardinals have played two representative games in which they have covered both of them, which I think is more than we expected out of the Arizona Cardinals against Washington and against the Giants. That said, no matter what you think you know about Dallas and what you do know about Dallas, this is a major step up in competition for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, this game being out to 13 on the road, if you say you'd use a basic one and a half point adjustment for home field, I mean, think about the fact that you're basically saying that Dallas is two full touchdowns and more better than Arizona. Uh, I don't think that Arizona has the means to chase. And so, you know, maybe I would be more apt to watch the opening drive, see if Arizona goes down and gets a touchdown. Somehow they get a play to break or get a defensive mm -hmm. touchdown or something. And maybe then I want to come in on Dallas at less than 10 if I can find it there. But I also don't think Arizona is built to throw the ball down the field. At one point last week, Josh Dobbs was 15 of 20 for about 150 yards while the Cardinals had a three score lead over the Giants. They don't have the trust in that offensive line to open it up for Joshua Dobbs. Steven, I'm using our handy dandy little prop tool over at the lines, and I see that Zach Ertz receiving yards is sitting at 30 and a half. Uh, for whatever reason, Josh Dobbs loves him some Zach Ertz. Like he is getting literally 33% target share in this offense. Like he like loves throwing to Zach Ertz. If we think this gets out of hand, if we think this is going to be the Cardinals chasing the whole time, if we think it's going to be him having to throw the ball 40 times in the game. Maybe it's a look on Ertz to get over the 30 yards. Maybe that's a way you can play it. Um, I at least wanted to bring that up, that if people aren't paying attention, there is at least one dude that is getting all the targets in Arizona, and for whatever reason, it's the corpse of Zach Ertz. Yeah, sure. You guys gave great analysis. I won't be honest. I don't give a damn about this game. I, I will <laughs> say I added Parsons plus 250 for a Defensive Player of the Year award. I think it's probably him or TJ Watt. Um, you know, It's a short price, but... This is the premier defense in the league, the one that's getting all the headlines, publicity garners votes. So, yeah, it's that's all I really have to say about this game. All right. What, one, one more game I do want to get to here because we do have the Raiders, and uh, certainly uh, Adam has a, a very intimate knowledge of this team. Sunday Night Football, Steelers at the Raiders. We're sitting two and a half in favor of the Raiders. Oh, we have had a couple of threes pop up, actually, in favor of the Raiders in this one. 43 is the prevailing total here. Steven, when we look, I mean, it, the Steelers offense looks like the absolute worst offense maybe in the league. And that, that includes all these other teams that we think are, are bad, right? I mean, they had 200 yards total last week and 71 of them came on one busted like play to, to pick it. So I mean, it is, it's bad, bad for the Steelers. And I don't know if I necessarily want to back the Raiders, but I don't, think I feel very comfortable backing the Steelers as crazy as that sounds. I mean, it is just, it is, it is atrocious what they are running out there on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. I, I've been hearing the Matt Canada um, frustration from Louisville, Kentucky from all the way out there in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh. It's been, you know, they're tired of this guy. Um, it seems like every time this game hits three though, the resistance is there and, and the Pittsburgh buyers come in and gobble up those threes. There's a couple expensive ones left here as we record Friday. And I think uh, that's about the only thing I'd be interested in. Maybe a Pittsburgh teaser leg here. Cause I think this is just such a big step down in class from what the Steelers offense had to play the first two weeks against San Francisco and Cleveland. So I'm willing to give Kenny Pickett a pass there. I don't know if they go from really bad to, to league average or they just go from really bad to just bad against yeah. the Raiders, but um, they at least are playing a defense in, in Las Vegas that is dead last with a 10% pressure rate through the, the first two weeks uh, while blitzing 30% of the time. And on the flip side, the Steelers have the number one pressure rate through two weeks. So never betting Josh McDaniels to win by four plus points ever. So that's kind of where I'm at on this game. I just haven't decided if I'm just taking the Steelers plus three or if I'm going to use them in a, in a teaser leg. Yeah, if we're sitting here, uh, Adam, I don't know if we said to people, hey, tell me the number three team in the NFL in EPA per pass play and tell me who that was going to be through the first couple of weeks of the season. I think you'd get a whole lot of answers before you got to the Raiders, but it's actually the Raiders and uh, the offenses look competent, right? It's just the defense that's the the problem here, what do you see in a game that they're coming in actually favored? 
I'm going to push back a little bit on a team that scored 17 on Denver that then watched Washington go in and put up 35, and then a team that put up 10 against the Buffalo team that puts no pressure on the quarterback about that offense looking good. I mean, on script early on, yeah, they looked all right. Uh, And I think part of what you're seeing with the Raiders is that they are able to move the ball a little bit, but they've shown no ability to be able to go in and sustain drives for points, right? Because that 17 against Denver also includes a gift touchdown from Sean Payton on that botched onside kick at the beginning of the game. So I don't really have a lot of trust in this offense. The one side that has performed well is the offensive line. They've been much better than we expected them to be. Josh Jacobs thus far this year has 28 carries for 46 yards. And I don't believe this is the team in Pittsburgh that he is going to improve that against. And also Jimmy Garoppolo under pressure when he was under pressure last week was abysmal against Buffalo, including having a screen pass intercepted and having a linebacker jump over the back of a running back to intercept a pass. So for me, this is Pittsburgh plus eight and a half. I cannot see at all where the push has been here out on Las Vegas because There is one truly elite unit in this game, and it is the Pittsburgh defense. Yes, they are beaten up. No Cam Hayward, maybe no Minka Fitzpatrick, etc. I don't believe that they're going to be able to slow down or stop TJ Watt, who is by a long shot the best pass rusher that they'll have seen this year so far. Steven, I think when we look at the Raiders and the inefficiencies that Josh Jacobs has had so far this year, it really is a direct correlation to Jimmy Garoppolo because you had Derek Carr, who would YOLO the ball down the field or whatever. And like guys had to respect the deep pass and like that, they couldn't just sit up real close to the line and jo- and Jacobs was able to find lanes and able to move. Like you, you have Jimmy Garoppolo yet again, 18th in the league and average depth of target already. You know I mean? This is what we've seen in Jimmy Garoppolo over the years. And it's just playing out yet again here. So guys can just stay closer to the line. If you're staying close to the line, there's more guys that can come in and gang tackle a guy like Jacobs. And I don't think that that's going to change because Jimmy Garoppolo is who he is. If there is one thing, that we know about James Garoppolo, he ain't changing who he is. Like he plays football the way he plays football, and that's just the way it's going to be. So I think there's going to be a lot of long days for for Josh Jacobs in this offense. You basically read my notes here because I had the same observation about Jimmy not being able to throw deep anymore. And Ted Nguyen, one of the beat reporters out there, had a great stat this week. He said Josh Jacobs last year had about eight rushes per game against two deep defenses post-snap. So far this season, he has five total. So the boxes are stacked. The defenses don't respect Jimmy G being able to beat them deep, and it's affecting them because through two weeks, the Raiders' rushing game is 31st and 32nd in rush EPA and success rate. Guys, everything we do, absolutely free over on thelines.com, so please take advantage of that. Use the prop tool for crying out loud. It's the best thing that's going out there. Click on the button. It's a green button right in the middle of the page. You're shopping the best odds. Make sure you're getting the best number. Please, please, please utilize that. Upper right-hand corner, there's the Discord as well where everybody's talking football all the time along with every single other sport and giving some good insights and things like that. So be sure and do that as well. If you haven't already, subscribe to this channel. We're free all season long. Going to be here giving out our picks. Give us a thumbs up. Let us know in the comment section, what bets do you love this week? What bets do you hate this week? And what do you think that we got right and or wrong? We'll be back with full Monday night, two different Monday night football breakdowns on this very channel on Monday as well. For Steven, for Adam, I'm Matt. See you guys next week. Good luck on Are Your Week 3 Bets.